I look forward to sharing with you some of the things that God's been doing in my heart over the last few months. But before we do, I want to uh, go to God's Word for just a minute and read a passage to you. It's actually from Psalm 63. And as I read this, the few, first few verses of this chapter to you, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to just kind of settle yourself for a moment, listen to these words, and see if you can relate personally to these words that this psalmist wrote so long ago to your own life with God at all. And if so, how? Psalm 63. Listen to this. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as king. As long, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I, I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. God's Word. What do you think it means to have a relationship like that? You ever had a relationship like that in your own life with God? Even if for a time, for a season? Does it even seem possible for you to have a relationship that sounds like that? I mean, the Bible says that it's possible, but yet you, perhaps you have, and, and, and I know so many people who have never been able to really experience this in their own day-to-day lives with God, even, even including people who have been walking with God, say they have been a Christian for decades. Why is that? Why is it that some can have a relationship with Jesus like this, and others of us feel like we're kind of stuck in the desert? hoping to hear from God, hoping to understand what God maybe is saying through some path, but struggling through much of life to be able to do so. You know, when I went, uh, when I started this sabbatical back in May, some of you know, because before I left, I shared a little bit of this with you. I actually took the first week to go to a monastery, a Benedictine monastery in remote northern New Mexico and just spend a week there. I'd never been to a monastery, never hung out with a monk before, didn't even know what that experience was going to be like, had no idea, but they invited me, encouraged me to stay there for a week to be able to hear from God, and that one experience, more than anything I can think of in a really long time, had a huge impact on my life. I saw something in these guys who were there that I had been looking for for a really long time. I had been searching inside my heart for some I didn't even know what I was looking for, if that makes any sense. But I was looking for something more in my relationship with God, and I felt like I couldn't find it. And I was frustrated. I had actually been feeling that way for 20 years, since my days in seminary and before, and not knowing how to find it, and even if it was possible. Yet that week, As I was with them and I was experiencing this rhythm of life that they lived, I felt closer to God and I heard God speak to me more clearly than I have heard in years. 
This whole sabbatical, the purpose of this whole sabbatical was for me to have, get some answers to some of the questions that I was having in my heart. Some questions that I had been struggling with for a long time. How do you really have a relationship with God? Not just a token relationship where we do all the things that the Bible says we're supposed to do so that we are in right standing with God, but how do you know God? How do you walk with God in a way that's genuine, that's real, that, that changes you? How is it that some people, it seems like, has, have that who are Christians and others struggle to find their way throughout much of their life? What, what's with these dry seasons that we tend to have sometimes? I went into sabbatical with those questions and really feeling like I needed some answers to those things, not just for my own life, but for others, because as a pastor, I've seen so many times people struggling, and I want to be able to help with that struggle. I don't want to see people trying to find God and not being able to do so. And so I thought, maybe if I take this summer and I study the lives of three people, three people who I have learned from church history had this tremendous, these tremendous walks with God from centuries past that have had an impact on the life of the Christian church globally for a really, really long time. Maybe if I dig into their lives a little bit and study them and what made them tick and what their relationship with God was like, maybe I could figure out how to translate some of that into my life in 21st century America. And maybe even, I had this pipe dream, maybe I could even take some of those things and help give them to you so that you could figure out how is it that we can live this Christian life in busy, suburban America, 21st century, where everything's hitting us in all these different directions all the time. And hearing the still small voice of God sometimes just seems impossible. Are you with me? Can you relate to anything I'm saying right now? Okay, good. I was hoping so. I hope it wasn't, hope, was hoping it wasn't just me. Do you, do you feel sometimes that you're just being constantly pulled on by the world? Like the speed of life is way off from where you feel like it should be. Do you feel sometimes that the world has this way of affecting you? Y- your moods, your attitudes, your perspectives on life, your decisions that you're making. And you want to do something about it to more align them with, with God, but it's like, mm, how do I do that? Can a closer relationship with God really improve our lives, or does it just make them more packed, more full? And if so, how do we find it? Now, my guess is you're here this morning because you want to have a deeper relationship with God. No matter where you are on your journey, maybe, maybe you, don't even, you would say, I don't even have a relationship with God. But the idea, the thought of having a relationship with God that's a little bit closer than what you have, or maybe something that you don't have at all, would seem appealing to you. But maybe there's some of you who would be here today and would say, yeah, but David, I don't know that I want to pursue that kind of relationship. Many of us would, but maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I, I don't know that I really want to pursue a relationship like that, Dave, because I don't even know if, if that kind of relationship even is possible. I don't even know if God exists. And so, Dave, please don't ask me to start doing a bunch more religious rituals, all these things I'm supposed to do and build into my life to try to make myself more holy or religious or or close to God because I, I, I don't want more stuff in my life. And I get that. I totally understand. 
It's not that you're running from God. You just don't know if God is there and if he is, how to find him. Well, I want you to know, if that's your feeling, that I totally agree. Relationship is not about empty ritual. Not with any of us, with each other, and certainly not with the God who created us and loves us far more than we will ever on this earth be able to understand. It's becoming close to God is not about becoming a monk or a nun and wearing a habit all the time to be able to get close to him. But it's about adjusting some of the rhythms of our lives where, as we're going to see today, God moves from being in the periphery of our lives to being in the very center of them. What would, what, what would you think if you found out that the key to all that we're talking about today starts with one simple word, and that is this, desire. So over the next three weeks, here's what I want to do in this series called Putting on a Habit. I want to talk with you about putting on a habit, but not necessarily one of those robes. And I'm not talking about putting a bunch of structure and things into your life to fill your life up more. What I want to talk with you about is if you really have a desire to know God, if you have a desire to have a relationship with God that's deeper than it's ever been before, what kinds of habits can you, what kinds of things can you do in your life to make the space for that to be totally possible for you? Over this series, we're going to be looking, as I said, at the lives of three people, one who lived about 500 years ago, one who lived about 900, and one today who lived about 1,500 years ago. And we're going to look at their walks with God and see what they will say to us. Here's what I want us to see today as we get started with this series. It's a very simple concept, but it's very true to life. Life is the opportunity that we are all given to see if we desire to know God or to say no. I'm going to say that again. Life is the opportunity that each one of us, forever many years we have on this planet, that we're given to see if we desire to know God truly or to say no to Him. Life's about a lot of things, right? There there are a lot of things that make life what it is today. Life's about family and friends. Life for many of us is oftentimes about job and, and career and making a difference. It's a a place where we can learn to love and learn to give of ourselves. But what if, what if ultimately it's about God? What if all this is simply a place where God can come to know us truly and we can see if we want to know Him? God leaves it up to you and me. We have the choice to decide if this, all this, that we're experiencing every day is focused on him where he is in the center and we come to know God personally or we just go through the motions just as everyone else does on this planet day after day. I want you to know that if that desire is there in your heart, that God will meet you. And not only that, I would love nothing more in this life than to walk alongside you and help you find the, the source of that desire. But I'm going to stop for a minute, and I want to tell you a little bit about this guy who's the topic of this sermon today. It's a guy by the name of Benedict. How many of you have heard of a guy named Benedict of Nursia? Raise your hands. Any of you? Wow, there's actually a few hands that have gone up. I'm I'm really excited. I, I figured none of you would even know who he is. Well, let me tell you a little bit about this guy's story. Benedict was a guy who was born around 480 A.D., so a really long time ago in Italy. 
He was born to a Christian family in a very small town. He kind of lived a sheltered life, he, but he was able to go to a really good school, and he was a sharp young boy, according to history. He was very smart, very intelligent. He graduated from, I don't know what they called it back then, basically like high school today. He graduated from his studies in his local school, and his parents decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to send you off to Rome to, pers- further, to further your education, to see what you can make of yourself, see how far you can stretch yourself. And, I mean, he's, he's a teenager. But they're sending him off to Rome by himself to go find his way, to expand his horizons, to learn everything that he can learn, and make something of himself in this world. He gets to Rome, and he is just in shock by what he sees. He sees in this big city a culture that is nothing like anything he's ever experienced in his life where sin, in his, as, he, as he recorded, was just running rampant. I saw people not living for God all around me. I saw people making horrible choices in their lives. And he said, everything in me was just disgusted by what I saw. And so history records that he decided, I can't take this anymore. This isn't the life my mama promised me. I'm out of here. He packs up his books and he leaves Rome. And he just starts go- walking, going east, east of Rome. He goes about 30 miles east of Rome. He finds a cave out in a mountain somewhere, and he says, this is good enough for me, God. It's just you and me now. I'm staying here. Imagine the young idealism of this teenage boy, right? What is he thinking? How is he going to live? What is he? He didn't care. He's like, you know what, God? I am sick of all this stuff I'm seeing in this world. All I care about in this world is knowing you. That's it. We'll figure it out together. And so he starts living as a hermit in this cave. He, teenage years, goes into his early, mid-20s, late-20s. Over the years, people start finding out about this young guy who's living in a cave east of Rome. And they start asking questions. And some people had run into him, and they had spent some time around him, and they were like, have you seen this guy Benedict out in the cave? He's like really, he's like really close to God. He, he has this relationship with God. You can just kind of feel it. And people start gathering around this cave as time goes on, just hanging out around the cave, just wanting to see what he's going to say, what he's going to do, just trying to find the very thing that I was looking for. What is it, Benedict, that helps you walk with God like that? What is it that you have that's missing in my life? And people would just, these particularly young men, they would just come and just sit at his feet and just say, Teach us whatever you need to teach us. We want what you have. So he starts talking about his walk with God and his life with God and talks about the scriptures. And over time, they, they, just, they won't leave him alone. He just, he, they just keep following around. He decides to start organizing them into little communities. And these communities become what is known today as monasteries. He actually started about a dozen of them around Italy, including the, the last one that he founded. My wife and son and I were actually able to visit ourselves. It's a place, a monastery called Monte Cassino in eastern Italy. It is still in existence today, running. It has been running ever since the 6th the century A.D. Men worshiping God, drawing close to God, and helping the others find God there. The only time there was a break in that, from what I understand, was just around World War II when the Allies bombed Monte Cassino to the ground because of some accidental misinformation the Allies received. We bombed it to the ground, but it quickly rose from the ashes, and now 
Even today, people come there to find God and worship God. It's an amazing story. And it all started with this young, idealistic teenage boy who thought, what if I just put Christ in the middle? What if I don't allow God to be just a little segment of my life that I kind of open up for a few minutes a day if I have time? What if I just slap him right in the middle and see what happens? And everything changed for him and everybody around him. Now, you might say, well, so what, Dave? What, what is, this is a great story, really interesting story. I'd love to see the movie sometime. But what does this have to do with me? This isn't the 6th century anymore. This is the 21st century. What are you saying? I should just go climb up the Catalina Mountains and just kind of become a hermit up there and find my own cave? Probably not. Looking at you, the mountain lions would probably eat you alive. I wouldn't recommend that. But there are a couple of things that I would recommend to you that I have learned is I have spent a lot of time just pouring over, reading all the documents about Benedict's life that I'd love to share with you. And the first one of those two things is this. A heartfelt desire for relationship with God reveals a need for structure in our days around times where the cares and noises of our world are kept at bay. In other words, Benedict showed us if you really have a desire to know God, if you really desire to be close to God, you've got to figure out some way in your life to take all the noise of your world and buffet it for a period of time every day. Otherwise, that noise will take over each and every day. Do you know that to be true? Benedict saw that in his life even then. We disengage with the world in order to foster a relationship with Jesus. There is no other way. We can't multitask that relationship. We train ourselves to say in parts of our day, God, this time is for you and me and nothing else. The cell phone is, the notifications get shut off. Everything that's trying to get my attention, God, for these few moments, they're yours and yours alone. Daniel was a great example of this. Daniel in, in, the, in the Old Testament, he lived a long time ago, but he was a man of influence. He was a man who walked with God. He made a big difference in the world in his day in Babylon. But he, he recognized that even then he had to make at least three times a day that he set aside and he walked away from his job. He walked away from his responsibilities and he said, Jesus, well, God, God, this time is yours. This time is yours. I'm focusing on you and building my relationship with you. I don't care what everyone else says. I don't care that these people are trying to plot to kill me. Right now, all I care about is you. It's just like if you were on a... Some of you are married. Some of you maybe aren't married, but you're in a dating relationship or you have been in the past. It's like going out on a date with someone that you're interested in or that is interested in you. And you just, you know, imagine, imagine for example, me taking Teresa out on a date Friday night. And we're out now. I planned this really nice night out and... Then I pull out my phone out of my pocket at the table and I start checking emails, answering you guys in your, your emails that I need to catch up from from this summer. You know? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting notifications about Candy Crush. And, you know, it's really calling my name. I'm, I'm trying to get a few lines in there. You know? I'm checking Instagram. I'm doing all these things. What does that do in any human relationship? Does it build it? No, it destroys it. Well, God wired us this way. God wired us to be in relationship. And when you're in relationship with another, you put your time, your focus, and your attention on that person. Is it any different in our relationship with God? God created us this way. 
Let me tell you something this morning. If your relationship with God is limited to you squeezing him into your, the noise of your world and your schedule, you're going to be disappointed with your relationship with God. If your relationship with God is limited to you squeezing and fitting him in to your life, you're going to be disappointed with that relationship, guaranteed. It is too hard these days to truly hear the voice of God, to know God amidst the noise that we live in today. Benedict thought he lived in a world of noise back in the 6th century. He had no idea. This is the noisiest time ever in human history. Uh, I just, one, just one perfect example of this I just saw just a few days ago as I was doing a little web surfing myself. I was, found the latest Nielsen ratings that just came out just a few days ago about the habits of Americans for the, in the last quarter. You know, they, they're the ones who kind of analyze this and they study how much TV we watch and how much we're surfing Instagram. And I don't know how, they're, how they know all this stuff and it creeps me out that they do. But they do. They know. Here's what they, here's what they put out in their latest quarterly report. American adults now spend, on average, just over 11 hours a day listening to, watching, reading, and interacting with media. That's the average American adult, over 11 hours. Surfing the internet, checking emails, watching YouTube videos, you know, all that stuff. And they said of those over 11 hours, six hours a day are just spent on uh, TV and video consumption. No wonder we're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, right? We're losing touch with what it means to truly be still and to be silent. There's a, a Jesuit uh, who wrote something recently in a book that really stuck, struck out, stuck out at me, and I thought I'd share this with you. I won't read this whole thing to you, but he said this. He said, we're gradually losing the art of silence, of walking down the street lost in our own thoughts, of closing the door to our rooms and being quiet. And he said, you may have to disconnect in order to connect. Disconnect with the world of noise in order to connect with silence, where God speaks to you in a different way. You cannot change our noisy world, but you can disconnect from it from time to time to give yourself the gift of silence. Elijah experienced this himself. Elijah had a powerful ministry with God, but he knew there were times he just needed to get away from it all to be able to hear from God. And it was in those moments that he truly heard from God. You know the story. I won't take the time to read it, but there's, there's this story in the Old Testament about how Elijah went out on his own to be with God, and he was actually struggling with some depression at the time. And he said, God, I just need to be with you. And it says that he heard God in a very still, small voice. And until we learn to quiet our hearts and our minds and to find that rhythm of life where we can hear in the silence, we never will. It's not that God's ignoring us. It's not that he's playing hide and seek. We just can't hear. Because the world is drowning out that still small voice. Psalm Psalm 4610, be still to know that I am God. Benedict teaches us one other thing that I'll share with you this morning, and that's this. Deep relationships develop where there is stability and consistency over time. Deep relationships of any kind, they develop where there's stability and consistency over time. This isn't even just true to life with relationships. This is true in just about every aspect of our lives. I mean, if you want to learn a foreign language, how good do you think you're going to be at it if you never practice it consistently over time, right? 
or if you want to learn an instrument, but you only kind of hit, it, you know, hit and miss, go to a, 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 a practice lesson to, to learn more. You're not going to really be able to learn anything, right? How many of you have been, tried dieting but not doing it consistently? How, where did that work for you, right? God's designed us to be people who do things consistently over time in order for growth to truly happen. And that is absolutely true when it comes to relationships, relationships with each other and relationships with God. John 15 talks about this. Debbie uh, actually talked about this not too long ago in one of her messages. It's about this principle of abiding, which is a word which means to remain. In John 15 verses, I'll just read to you verses 4 and 5. Listen to what Jesus said to the people who were gathered around him about this. He said, remain in me and I will remain in you. You remain in me and I will remain in you. And it says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's not saying it's about doing the list. It's not about checking off all the things I'm supposed to do to to make God happy. He's saying, unless you remain in Jesus' presence, you'll never experience what it means to truly have life, to truly have fulfillment, to truly be used in a way that impacts others. That word abide, actually I looked it up in the dictionary, it says to continue without fading or being lost. To continue without fading or being lost. That's what God wants in his relationship to you. It isn't a a superficial relationship. It isn't an on-again, off-again relationship where you're doing five minutes in the Bible and then you're all good. It's not about the task. It's it's about the relationship, right? Pastor John Piper said this about abiding. He says, abiding proves whether the attachment to the vine, Christ, is coursing with life or is merely artificial and external. And when you, listen, when you have this, when you have this abiding kind of relationship I'm talking about here, notice what it says in verse 8 of John 15. It says, when you have that, when you're abiding and you're remaining like that over time, consistently over time, people notice. It's not because you're walking around with a habit on, saying how religious I am. It's like it was in the life of Benedict. You, you can't be in the presence of God consistently and not have an impact on everyone who's around you. It just happens. Finding a stable, consistent rhythm is what paves the way. And Benedict taught his brothers, uh, this is the language he used. He said it in Latin, ora et labora, which means pray and work. He said, don't just say, okay, here's my time with God today, and then I'm going to do everything else. He says, I want you to weave into your, the fabric of your life being with people doing your work, and being with God consistently. It's not that, okay, now's my quiet time. I need to go be with Jesus, and then I can do everything else. He says, build it into your life where you're, you're spending moments in the middle of your day with God, 
focus entirely on him, and then you drift back into work. And then you drift back into your relationship with Jesus, and then you drift back to work. He says that rhythm of life will help you not only stay connected to the world around you, but it also keeps you connected in a real way to the living God. And here's what it's done. for I, I, it, This is actually a, a practice that he didn't come up with. This was actually a practice of the early church. And when you look back at the Gospels, when you look back in the book of Acts, what you see are the disciples were practicing this very thing. When you, when you pay, pay attention now when you're, as you're reading the Gospels in the book of Acts. You'll see it, the, this phrase at the beginning of many of the passages of Scripture. You'll see it, it'll say something like, it was the third hour of the day and they were gathered to pray. It was the ninth hour, and they were gathered together and worshiping God. The third hour, the third, sixth hour, the ninth hour, these were programmed times that the early church had to pause from the rhythm of their work in the day and be with God, and then drift right back in again. And that was normal in the life of the church until about the time of Benedict. And Benedict resurrected, and he's saying, guys, we can't lose this. This is what's going to keep us close to God. And Benedictines, monks, practice this even today. This, they call it the liturgy of the hours or the divine office, but it's this rhythm of life that they practice. And it had a tremendous impact on me. I'm still, I, I learned how to kind of get into this flow and this rhythm in my own walk with God. And my walk with God hasn't become more rigid or legalistic. I, I can tell you that firsthand, but it has become alive over this summer is I have practiced this in my own life. I have found my times with God to be so meaningful. It's like, oh, how much more time before I'm going to stop again? Because here, here's, what, here's what meant the most to me. I didn't realize this about myself, but so oftentimes in my day, and maybe this is true in your day, we get in the midst of doing all these things, and we don't realize the impact the culture is having on us in that moment. We don't, imp- we don't realize how it's impacting our mood, how it's impacting our attitudes about other people, how it's influencing everything about the decisions we're making. And if we don't deal with those things when they come up, if we have a cross-relationship with, with someone that we run into, if, if something happens in the midst of our day and we don't deal with it first with God, then what happens is it just starts to settle inside of us. And it isn't going anywhere until we deal with it. But what I found in my life is the longer I just let it sit there, the more I got used to it being there. And having this rhythm of life where I'm spending time with God, just a little bit of time constantly through my day, what I'm finding is as soon as that is inside of me, before it's had a chance to even settle, the Lord's speaking to me and saying, Dave, that thing that's in you right now that happened an hour ago, can we deal with that and then get back to work? And those things aren't sticking to me the way they used to. I would love nothing more than to help you explore what this might look like in your life, what it would look like to have a new rhythm to your day, a new rhythm to your life where God isn't compartmentalized over here in the corner, the, the, the first five minutes of your day when you're tired and you're half, half asleep, but to just be woven in to the fabric of your life. Not to make you a super religious person, everybody's looking at you, but you're, you're having those spaces to be with God and to put Him first in your life. Benedict's example led to so many people around the world experiencing a dynamic relationship with God again. And he taught us that it all starts with desire. With desire. What if, 
What if life isn't about what we've made it to be? What if life isn't just about the job and the career and raising a family and being successful, although those are great things? What if, what if it all boils down to relationships? And one relationship in particular with the one who made all this. An opportunity for you to come to realize if you desire to be with him or not. God wants to have a relationship with you, I promise you, but God will never push his way into your life. The imagery we see from Revelation chapter 3 is God knocking on the door of our heart. He doesn't force his way in. He doesn't barge through the door. Many times in my life, I think now I can look back and see God was just in the corner waiting, waiting to have that relationship with me that would have solved all my problems if I would have let him in let him into the center. Relationship isn't about the checklist. It's not. It's not about the shoulds. Yes, our relationship with God is built on prayer. Yes, it's built on time and the Word. Yes, it's built on these things, but it's not about the task. It's about the relationship through the task. If you desire this in your life, you can find it. I promise you. God made a point throughout the Bible to make sure we got that message really, really clear. You see that message in Deuteronomy 4.29 where God says, if you look for me, I promise you, you'll find me. He said it again in the book of James. He said it in um, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 is this beautiful picture, that, that we, that, these beautiful verses that we've hold, held on to, but we don't always see the picture around it where these, these Jewish people were in Babylon, they were slaves, and they were just frustrated. And they're like, where's God? Is there a God? And God speaks to them in that moment. And he says, in these moments, if you pray, I'm listening. And then he said, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Not maybe. You will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Proverbs 8, 17, God says this. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. God's not playing a game of hide-and-seek with you or with any of us. But he isn't going to force his way into your life. He loves you too much to do that. The question really is, are you willing? Do you have that desire? That desire to not just know about God, but I mean really know God. To have a relationship that is so amazing that it just rocks your whole life? Do you have that desire to let your Creator know you and you know your Creator like that? By the time I left that monastery, I knew back in May my life was not going to be the same again. It was clear to me. It was one of those watershed moments in your life that you just walk away thinking, oh, wow, that was something. And God has been slowly in my life over this last summer changing so many things about me. One of the things that means the most to me, though, is this bracelet that I'm wearing right now. And I don't know if you can see it. Um, it's actually uh, a bracelet that a guy by the name of Amos gave me back in May when I was at that monastery. He was a guy about my age. Uh, he runs a really big tech com company in the Midwest, but he had taken a few days to break away from it and just be with God. And he was a Catholic, and he gave me this bracelet, and it's got Benedict on it. 
and he said, he knew that by the, point, by the time I was leaving that I was going to make the vows of Benedict, which are the vows to live into this rhythm of life where Jesus is at the center and everything else gets second place. And I made those vows to the monks before I left that day. And they said, well, you can make them for now, but you have to come back in a year and take them for real because this first year is just your trial to see if you're really serious about this or not. I love that. But Amos gave me this place to remind me of what's really first now. It's not all the other stuff that I used to put so high in priority in my life. My priority, my first priority right now is Jesus. And I hope you will find that same thing yourself. That still small voice that pursued Elijah has been whispering to you all of your life. Sure, you can avoid it. You can allow the noise of the world to drown it out. But do you really want to? What I want for you is that you could find this relationship that I have found. I'm not even interested, for those of you who are here today and you say, yeah, but Dave, I'm not a Christian. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not really concerned right now if you're a Christian or not. I'm not, even, I'm not even interested in trying to make you a Christian. What I would love to ask of you, though, today is this. If there's a possibility that God is real, what would it look like for you to pursue that relationship and just see what happens? To say, God, I don't know if you're real, I don't know if I believe all this stuff that Pastor Dave and these church people have been talking about, but God, I want to, I want to know if you're real, and if you're real, I want you in my life. I, I don't want some casual, religious kind of relationship with a bunch of do's and don'ts. I, I, I want it to be focused on a relationship with you. And so, God, I'm going to spe- take, make some space in my life, and I'm going to put you first and see what happens. Give it a shot. See what God does in your life. And remember this, it all starts with desire. All of this that we're talking about, if there's no desire, it's not going to happen. God wants to be in your life, and he wants you to want it even more. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity today to unpack Psalm 63 and more. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in my heart over these last number of months. I know that this isn't the end. This is just the beginning of a newer, richer walk with you that I have enjoyed so much this summer. God, I pray that same thing for each and every person who is in this room, those who are listening online. Lord, I know some people here have never had a relationship with you and don't even get what that looks like. But God, I pray that you would continue to pursue and that that desire would be built in their hearts. Lord, for many of us, we have gone through these seasons, these cycles for years where we have these mountaintop experiences with you and we feel your presence and we sense you're working in our lives and everything's great. And then with that, before we turn around, all of a sudden we're in this dry desert place where we don't feel like we even can sense that you're there or know that you're there. And all these doubts come back. Lord, help us to find a new rhythm. Help us to discover how to not go from mountain peak to valley to mountain peak to valley, but instead to soar with you consistently over time. 
And may that have an impact not just in our lives, but in the lives of all those around us that we love, who we want to have the same experience. Lord Jesus, we say to you today, we love you, and you are first. Nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.